0: Welcome to Beltway Talk, the podcast of the American International Automobile Dealers Association, where we examine the intersection between Washington politics and the automobile retail industry. I'm your host, Hannah Oliver. Today's episode of Beltway Talk is sponsored by AIADA Affinity Partner Dealer Teamwork, one of the fastest growing software as a service companies, creating first class solutions for the automotive retail industry and making digital marketing easy to understand and use. Find out more at AIADA.org. On today's episode, we're talking about the 2020 elections with AIADA's Vice President of Government Relations, Rachel Robinson. Rachel is a veteran of Capitol Hill and the campaign world, and she's a wealth of information and insight. She's been with AIADA for well over a decade as she advocates for dealers here in Washington on trade, tariff, and other issues that impact their businesses. Welcome to Beltway Talk, Rachel. Well, thank you. Thank you, Hannah, for having me
1: here. I'm glad to be back.
0: Um, Well, I know um, you're here to talk about the election, and I know you always refer to the election process as your Super Bowl of sorts. And uh, I do know also that there's a lot to unpack about this election season and a lot that's still being unpacked. Can you start off by giving listeners an overview of the breakdown of the balance of power here in Washington as we sort of wrap up the 2020 election season? Sure Hannah and you are exactly right. I do refer
1: to uh, elections as my Super Bowl and as a matter of fact presidential election years are definitely my Super Bowl years and this year has been no exception to the rule. It has proven to be exciting and um, it even appears to have gone into overtime. So right now we have we'll unpack the house and the senate and tell you a little bit more about what's going on there and um let's start with what i believe was maybe the um untold story of the of the election everybody believed that the democrats were going to win seats in the house that the republicans were actually going to lose seats um the pollsters the the prognosticators everybody out there was predicting that in fact that the house republicans might lose as many as you know 10 to 15 seats where in fact it looks like they are going to pick up possibly as many as 10 to 15 seats right now the current stand of seat ratio is 218 to 208 208 they have okay. um gained a net positive of eight seats the house republicans have and Mm -hmm. it looks like with the 218 the democrats have gained that they will hold on to the majority in the house but it's going to be a much tighter majority and um it will be much harder for them to pass bills and pass legislation slim majorities are much harder to manage and um with those tighter margins, it could bring some changes to the committee structure and how things operate in the house. It's still a little early for those dynamics and to see how those dynamics play out. We will have house leadership elections next week. Right now, we are not anticipating any changes on either the Republican or the Democrat side, uh, on either Mm -hmm. of the leadership, leadership parties and their, uh, Leadership, but um, you know we'll we'll see next week for sure. But the House is um, it, it, I believe, is the untold story of the night where we saw most of the change happen.
0: And can you tell us just a little bit about what is happening in the Senate right now, Rachel?
1: Sure. As I mentioned uh, before about overtime, the Senate is one of the areas that has gone into overtime uh, right now. Uh, the Senate has been. The seats that have been declared you're at 50 republican seats and 48 democrat seats as you all know one-third of the senate goes up for re-election uh every year and this year there were 35 seats up for re-election 23 of those were held by republicans and 12 of them were, ha- were held by democrats because basically republicans had double the seats to defend many people out there thought that they had the, uh, the more than likely they were going to lose more seats that they were going to therefore lose their majority or the Senate majority was in play. Um, there was a lot of money put into the, the Senate majority and um, who was going to keep it on both sides. Um, I think it was hard fought. There were many races that, um, you know, were, were just neck and neck. The polls were mm-hmm. up until the end and, um, but it does look like right now that at the very least it it will be a 50 50 split but like i said it's gone into overtime and what we have going on right now are two special elections happening down in georgia and the outcome of those elections will determine control of the senate and they did hold their senate leadership elections this week and there were no changes in that scenario
0: okay okay now i know you mentioned georgia um so which means the georgians are not done with their election season yet um and they have two runoff elections happening in january i believe um i know you're a georgia native yourself could you tell us about these races and what's at stake sure
1: well it was unique in georgia this year because you actually had both senate seats up for election Normally that doesn't happen in a state, but, but what was unique to it this year is that Senator Johnny Isaacson had um, retired. He resigned early from his seat due to health reasons. Because of that, the governor of Georgia had appointed uh, Kelly Loeffler to finish out the term in that seat. She took over the seat and then had to run for election in that seat. So there was a special election for the Isaacson seat. That was one race. You also had okay. Senator David Perdue, who was up for re-election. He was in the class, the normal progression of the class that is up for re-election. He was running against David Ossoff, and then there was also another independent running in that race. To jump back a little bit, though, what was unique about the special election is that it's, it just has a primary because it's it's a special election. And because it's a primary in a special election in Georgia, it's what they call a jungle primary. So you have all the Republicans and all the Democrats that want to run, running in that primary. So you don't have, like you would normally see, a Republican primary and a Democrat primary. You have them all running against each other, a jungle primary. And so in fact, in the special election on November 3rd in Georgia, you had 21 candidates running for the seat. Wow. Yeah. Now what is also unique in Georgia is that to win election in Georgia, you have to win a clear majority, which means you have to win 50% plus one vote to be elected Mm -hmm. to whatever position it is in Georgia. So it was pretty clear from the beginning of the special election, it was going to go to a runoff. There was no doubt Mm -hmm. that with 21 people in a, a you know, in a a race, no one was going to get to 50%, much less 50% plus one vote. Um, Mm -hmm. The Democrats had put up a pretty solid candidate in um, Raphael Warnack. Um, Kelly Leffler, obviously, the the woman that had been appointed by the governor was running for reelected for reelection. And then Congressman Doug Collins, who was part of the Georgia delegation, also decided to throw his hat into the primary for that Senate seat, um, mm-hmm. which caused a lot of, I would say, tension in the Republican Party down in Georgia uh, between Leffler and Collins. Um, so it, it was interesting. In the end, it came out that, it, and what they do is then they take the top two finishers, and those top two finishers go on to a runoff. Um, November 3rd came. Come and gone, as we all know, in Georgia, Warnock uh, and Senator Leffler were the top two finishers in that special election jungle primary. So they are now in a runoff race that will take place on January 5th. And all eyes are in Georgia right now as that race continues. But
0: oh. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, but go ahead and go on. <laughs> uh, but. There's more.
1: There is more. Um, that's not the only race that went into overtime in Georgia. If you look at the uh, Senator Perdue race, like I mentioned, uh, it's un- Georgia's unique because you have to win a clear majority. Um, Senator Perdue, unfortunately, got at last count that I saw, was at about 49.7%. He did beat um, Ossoff by about almost two points um, in the final tally, of of votes but um because of the third party candidate that was also in there it it was not enough he didn't get to the 50 plus one so because of the georgia rules we now have a runoff race between um david Perdue and john ossoff that also like um leffler mornock is going to a runoff it's set to go um, special election, January 5th, runoff special election. So down in Georgia, the last two Senate seats to be determined, special election runoff, January 5th is the election date. Um, it is all eyes on Georgia. Um, as mm-hmm. I've often said, Georgia's on my mind, for goodness gracious. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's going to be a, a crazy time down in Georgia right now, but um It is, it is, should be interesting to watch.
0: All right, Rachel, it sounds like Georgia has been getting a lot of the attention, but I know there were a lot of other races happening on election night. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the other races you were keeping an eye on? Sure. With control of
1: the Senate being a a hot topic, there were a lot of races to watch and to keep your eye on. Early on in the evening, um, much anticipated kind of tit for tat took place. You had that Alabama Senate race where Doug Jones lost and um, Tommy Tuberville, the Republican, won the seat. So you have Senator-elect Tuberville now. Um, You also had the much-anticipated Senator Cory Gardner lost his re-election bid to uh, now Senator-elect Hickenlooper. And um, Mm -hmm. that was a kind of one-for-one switch that a lot of folks kind of anticipated and saw coming Um, but then you had a lot of kind of up in the air races in the Senate that folks were looking at. You had the, um, the Iowa race that Senator Ernst was able to pull that one out. You had Senator Collins in Maine. Again, she pulled it out. You had Senator Tillis um, in North Carolina, which just got confirmed and um, I guess announced yesterday that he was, was able to hold on to that seat. You had uh, Lindsey Graham in South Carolina that folks were watching too uh, in polls, had him neck and neck until the end. But again, he um, appeared, pulled that one out election night. Um, you had uh, Gary Peters up in Michigan that went uh, neck and neck for a few days, but in the end, it looks like he has pulled that out. Um, so, you know, we watched a lot and there were a lot of senators who it appeared that, um, you know, maybe their time had come, but, uh, but but the majority of them, it looks, have, uh, have stayed, um, stayed mm-hmm. in place. So, You know, not as many flips. And right now, like we talked about a second ago, all eyes are in Georgia. And um, where most of the flips ended up happening, really, were in the House. And Mm -hmm. um, well, a lot of the the, the pollsters and everybody talked about how badly it looked for Republicans in, say, Texas or California and things like that. And there were all these seats that they were going to flip in those states. In fact, it turned out that they held seats in, the Republicans held seats in Texas that, you know, they were Mm -hmm. predicted to lose. It looks like they might even actually be flipping seats. Republicans will be flipping seats in California that they had previously lost. Um, They were able to flip seats in Florida that they had lost before. Mm -hmm. And then there were just sort of other one-offs that they picked up throughout the country um, throughout the night. And it was just an interesting night to watch the House of Representatives slowly but surely pick up seats and, you know, get to a net gain of eight Mm -hmm. seats and just slim down that majority and get to, at this point, a 208 uh, seat margin in the House of Representatives and just make it that much closer to, you know, to be 10 seats shy of a majority in the House when everybody thought you were going to be losing losing seats is not a bad night
0: no no not at all um and i know that there were several dealers that were elected or re-elected to congress could you just tell us briefly about those races and who those dealers are sure so we had no new dealers elected but
1: uh, you know okay. gladly we can say everyone was re-elected so uh we had mike kelly in pennsylvania who we all know and love Vern Cannon in florida don buyer in virginia Roger Williams in Texas, Carol Miller in West Virginia, and we like to include Troy Balderson in Ohio. All folks that are mm. coming back to the to DC, all in the House of Representatives, uh, representing um, their respective districts and areas, and have all you know worked in dealerships, been part of dealerships, currently are part of dealerships, or have been part of dealerships, owned dealerships, and you know know what it's like to to own and run a dealership. So they they know your business and uh you know can can speak to it and we have um had you know a lot of success talking to them and um sharing our interests with them so they they know what our concerns are
0: mm-hmm. um so on that note let's turn our attention to the real elephant in the room no pun intended uh the presidential race i know that it has been quite a ride and things are you know, still developing as we speak, but where do things currently stand in the White House uh, race? That's a really good question, Hannah. (laughs) Um,
1: So let me start by saying in 2000, it took 35 days to determine who was going to be our next president. Everybody pretty much already had an idea of who it was going to be and how it was going to turn out. But it Uh took 35 days for us to certify and to determine who it was actually going to be. I think we are probably in the process right now that the electoral college is in the process of still being certified and verified um, states are still counting and recounting. You have lawsuits that are currently going on. You you know, President Trump has filed suit in Nevada, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Michigan, Georgia, Texas um, as a, 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 at this point. And those suits are outstanding. And there's current, you know, conversations and, and negotiations going on. Um, But as that's going on, you know, votes are continuing to be counted. Um, Margins continue to widen. And I think um, it does appear that we have a new president-elect Joe Biden and a vice president-elect Kamala Harris. Um, So, you know, it it does appear that you know, democracy is it, it, one of those things that you just can't predict, and um, we have to give it time to to work its its process. and And I think the days of us finding out in, in twenty four hours who our next president's going to going to be might be over. I, I think it's yeah, start taking us a little bit more time, and we all have to learn to be a little bit more patient to to let the process play out and understand that it's it's. It is the process and the process is working and
0: and that it's it's all okay, that it it, it takes Mm -hmm. time. Absolutely. Um, And I know, you know, AIADA, we focus on trade and tariffs um, and these issues have definitely been in the spotlight a lot in the last few years. And I also think it's worth noting that both candidates campaigned in support by American. Um, So on that note, how do you anticipate trade and tariff issues will be impacted by the results of the presidential election and also just the balance of power here in Washington in the next couple of years?
1: Sure. Well, it's, it's still a little, little early to tell because a lot of it will be determined mm-hmm. by the, the balance in the Senate, in all honesty, mm-hmm. because if the Democrats are able to pick up those two seats, te- those two seats, in Georgia and gain control of the Senate, you're gonna have a much different Washington, DC. You're gonna have a Washington, DC that is entirely controlled by Democrats. In in, in that, Mm -hmm. I am also presuming that the court cases that um, President Trump has filed are um, defeated and the counts are not overturned. So I am at that point, I guess, presuming that everything goes President-elect Biden's way um Mm -hmm. so you've gotten a clean sweep you've got democrats have the white house control the house and control the senate um if that happens i think you're going to see a broad sweeping change um if they pick up those senate seats i think you're going to see a much harder focus on um, climate and labor issues, Um, even in those trade bills and trade negotiations. I think you'll see issues like those being brought into the trade legislation, into the trade negotiations, I should say. Um, I also do think with this presidency that tariffs have been found to be a strategy that work. And I do think they will be employed. Now, whether or not that means we're going to have an additional 232 tariffs, I I don't believe that to be true, but I do believe there will be a continued selective use of tariffs and there'll be a current use of tariff strategy. And like I said, it's, it's a little early to tell exactly, but, um, and, and like I also mentioned, I do believe that's if there's a, a Democrat sweep. Now, if you, if you maintain Republican control in the Senate, um, it, it does give you somewhat of a backstop. And I do believe Americans to a certain degree appreciate a divided government because I do believe they, they do appreciate a little bit more of a balanced approach. And, um, I think with a with a Republican Senate, you'll see a, like a, a little bit more of a balanced approach. You, you know, you, they won't be too heavy on tariffs. It won't be too heavy on uh, climate, not too heavy on labor in the tariffs. I mean, in the trade agreements and things like that. So it's, it just, you know, it, it, it just helps to be a little bit more balanced.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know we talked trade and tariffs, but um, just briefly, what other auto, industry-centric issues like taxes and, I guess, climate, um, do you see changing or shifting in the next few years? And you can just talk briefly about that, because I know you could probably go on forever about, you know, all these issues. Well, sure.
1: Like like with trade, it all depends, I think, on, on who controls the Senate. Um, and that will depend on how far, either, you know, left or to the center, you know, whoever's in the White House gets to go. And Mm-hmm. Their agenda, you know, it really does. It depends on who controls the Senate and taxes are something whoever's in control of the white house likes to um, put their mark on. So I think they will be in one way or the other dealers have to remember estate taxes kind of coming up to its end. So I think it's on the table in some way, shape or form. And um, it's something we're always interested in and, and try to make sure stays um, as you know, it, we're always, we, AIADA always tries to make sure estate tax is one of those things that um, they make sure is important to dealers.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Well, Rachel, I know um, since government relations is your domain, I wanted to just turn our attention and kind of towards as we wrap up um, to talk to dealers about how you would like them to get involved here in D.C. as we look towards 2021 and new members of congress and some fresh faces and um what are the best things that they can do to stay involved sure that's a
1: great a great way to end it here hannah and i'd just like to tell everybody i know we are all living in uncertain times uh the That COVID has made things a little different for all of us. I know you all have adapted in a lot of ways in the way you are selling your cars and connecting and contacting with your customers. And you know, we have done the same here at AIADA and how we're engaging and hoping you engage with the members of Congress. And to that point, we have, we hope you will engage. So we'd like for you to join our Legislative Action Network. You can do that by going to www.aiada.org slash get involved. And we hope you will sign up for one of our dealer visits. And um, depending on how you feel about it and how your member of Congress feels about it, we do those two ways. We do them in person, and we also do them virtually. And um, we have ways to help you through and guide you through both ways. And um, we have a great program. We help you through it every step of the way. And we hope you will get involved, stay involved, and help us make a difference, help everybody up on the hill make a difference because they are there to represent you and we hope you will get to know them.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Well, um, I just want to thank you for joining Beltway Talk today, Rachel. Um, Before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to add?
1: I don't think so. I just thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to come in and talk to you and, and get a chance to
0: share A little bit about what's going on yeah absolutely well thanks once again rachel um we will have you on i'm sure um sometime in the next few months so we can talk some more as we start to see things shape up here in washington sounds good thank you hannah thanks once again to rachel robinson for joining us on this episode of beltway talk to discuss the 2020 elections and what they mean for dealers For more information on how you can stay involved throughout the rest of 2020 and beyond, check out AIADA.org slash get involved. Join us again next time for Beltway Talk.